0: Welcome everyone to today's episode of Financial Fofu. I'm Sarah Eiferman and today we obviously have with us Trudy Cowan, but we also have an amazing special guest for episode two and that is Samir Banger of Banger Legal. How are you going, Samir?
1: Good afternoon. I'm well, Sarah. How are you?
0: <laughs> We're great over here. Um, Trudy, I think, wanted to start with a couple of questions.
2: Well, how about we start with who are you, Samir? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your background?
1: Uh, look, let's just make this very short and sweet. So I'm a solicitor who has my own firm now, Bunga Legal. I've been in law for probably about eight years, maybe a little bit longer if you include paralegal work and quasi-law work. But okay. apart from that, I'm just a dude who lives just outside of Sydney who doesn't like travelling to the city very often. <laughs> so I've found a lot of positives over the last couple of years where I know some people haven't had the same. So, look, it's been good for some, bad for others. I know it's been time for business generally we feel that too especially by way of our clients and what we've seen on the media as well so it's an interesting space and i think law has not been equally accommodating everyone which is very unfortunate and that's one of the reasons that i do like to keep my space in this current environment in the field
0: yeah completely and so you've had your own firm now for how long sorry
1: Two years. So, funnily enough, I started during COVID or during the.
2: Oh, interesting or- time to start up a new business.
1: For me, it worked out to be the best time to start up, but I guess that's it, right? It's bonds mm. in some ways. But timing wise, it was great. I had enough of where I was previously. Not that I have any disrespect for them, but I just think we had passed the expiry date, so to speak. Yeah,
2: <laughs> nice. sometimes it's time just time to move, to move on, on, isn't there it? There you go. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, definitely. Under- Sorry, go.
2: Yeah. And uh, what sort of uh, areas of law does being Legal specialise in? Do you have some specialist areas or do you do a little bit of everything?
1: So I wouldn't say everything. We don't touch <laughs> with the 10-foot pole or even a 100-foot point. I never will. <laughs> That's an area I really don't like. I think some people enjoy it. We don't. Yep. A lot of our work is litigation, okay. criminal, employment, family, commercial, but it's generally litigation. Some of the topics we're going to speak about today obviously come under litigation as well. But I'd say we're court specialists as opposed to doing transactional work. So reviewing leases isn't our specialty. We have done it for certain clients when they request that we do it. But it's not something that I'd be advertising and looking to get in, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. So question then. Are you a solicitor or a barrister?
1: solicitor and there was a time or some people still argue there's a time you can still do it you can classify yourself as both a barrister generally sits the bar exam after becoming a solicitor not that they have to have practiced as a solicitor Mm. differentiation is a bar exam and they can wear i guess you could say the gown when
2: they're
1: (laughs) (laughs) generally but look The thing is, with the way law works now, you can have trial advocates, which is what we do. So I run my own matters. I'm in court regularly, whereas about 20, 30 years ago, that was not as common. I wouldn't say rare, but it was uncommon, and maybe 40 years ago it was rare for a solicitor to be able to appear in court and do it Mm. on their own. Now, high court, court of appeal, court of criminal appeal, In Supreme Court, it's still not as common for lawyers to be there, except if it's a bail application Supreme Court, but you wouldn't have a solicitor or trial advocate running a murder matter or, for example, a really contentious commercial law matter where there's millions of dollars on the line, you'd have Mm. special counsel and most likely senior counsel. However, local court, district court, we can do. Supreme Court, we do. And it's not like I haven't run trials or been involved in trials in the district court as well. It's just... The higher courts still prefer someone who is a barrister regardless of education yeah. and a hierarchical status that applies in law no matter what anyone says. We're trying to get rid of it. It's going to take some time. It's taken how long for women to get a proper foothold in the profession and that's been, you can only imagine the hierarchy is not going away quickly. That's going no, to take a bit know.
0: I suppose that's why I asked the question. A lot of people think for you to actually be able to appear in court, you have to be a barrister. And then they get confused between what is a barrister, and what is a solicitor, how does that impact and things like that. So amazing that you've been able to clarify that for us today. So yeah. our topic today is on defamation. Obviously, our podcast mainly sits around business issues. And yeah. a lot of our listeners, um, we answer the questions in our episodes that seem to frequent the question boxes on groups that we're members of. So one that comes up all the time, I see it quite regularly, I think once a week at least is around defamation and what to do about it in business. So let's start with perhaps what is defamation?
1: In short, defamation is someone speaking bad about you or your business but a way that actually causes you to suffer a loss, and especially when there's no basis for it. It's not defamation if someone criticizes me, for example, for something that I have done and there's a reasonable belief. But if it's completely false, like, for example, if someone went out on social media and posted, I just went and shot this dog on King Street, at King Street Sydney yesterday, that would be defamation. It's one completely incorrect, and that's now trying to ruin my reputation or at least reports to do so. So that's the shortest way to describe it. Now, there is a longer definition, but I don't think it's necessary because really, as long as (laughs) you said the wrong thing and it's not true, that's basically what defamation is. You know, when someone Mm -hmm. says defamed, you can kind of figure it out that you're ruining someone's fame or goodwill.
0: Yeah, okay. So we're talking a commercial loss. So we're talking about loss of income, loss of potential business opportunities, the impacts that go with that, right?
1: Well, Someone doing that is going to impact my business because then people are not going to come in and want to see me as a solicitor, for example. If I've just shot a dog on King Street, and that's true, they're unlikely to do it because they know I now don't have that goodwill, and that could be used in many ways. So the I thing think my with don't de-
0: take an offence like- to your
2: your suddenly come out barking, <laughs> um, Chubby
0: dog, get on your bed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, when it comes to defamation, the thing is to remember that it doesn't have to strictly be linked to business to have an effect in your business mm. life or your commercial life. In fact, it's probably more the personal sledges, such as politicians get all the time and people in referential mm. get all the time, that has more of an impact to their business. Now, looking at, someone who owns a small business, say, let's just say... Look, we're, actually, let me ask you this. Generally, who would you be speaking to at the moment, your audience? Is it smaller business, say, t- 5 to 10 people, 20, 30 people?
2: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. So, let's say a business of 5 to 10 people, an accounting business because we're talking about finance right now. Hmm. The Three director... The there you go. The <laughs> director... Oh, yep. That's a good idea. So, you're in a position then where someone says... Uh, in your that you've screwed them over completely because mm. you falsified or lied about something in their, I don't know, their accounting records, which has caused them to suffer loss. They've now published that on Google, put it on YouTube, and you know that's completely false. Yep. That's defamation. But at the same time, it's also defamation if that person says, you're a horrible person, you, you literally kicked them in the ass and told them to get out of the office because you hated them and gave them mm-hmm. a few, you know, re- doesn't have to be racial slur, slurs of any type yep. and got rid of them. Both are defamation. Both are going to impact your business or have potential impact to your business, yep. so they both apply. So that is why I wouldn't make the differentiation in terms of it having to be commercial because any okay. act could still have a commercial effect.
2: Okay, interesting. Yep. Um, and and uh, Google is a, is a good point because where we would, I guess, see it in a small business context and where you sort of see it pop up, people complaining about it in Facebook groups is because someone's published a false review about them on Google or Facebook or something like that that's completely unfounded. And that's where I guess business get really nervous that this is then going to impact on what other people think about them as a business owner.
1: And these Google reviews are very powerful now because it's I think it's unfortunate because Mm -hmm. Google reviews are way too easy to place. There's not enough criticism around it and there's not enough the the onus or the burden of proof is insignificant. It's nothing. It's really just your name. Mm And a lot of people can do – You can these days, from what I understand, pay people to do fake reviews anyway. So well, how you can, do you, you – You can set
2: up a fake Gmail account fairly easily if you really wanted to and put an and under it under a name up. you came up with. So, yeah, you're and right. Go- it's very easy to do. That's
1: right. And you can complain to Google about it and they'll apparently take it away, but they take their time in doing it. And how do we not know – in fact, how the fact is, you know, those couple of days they're reviewing it, the damage could already be done. Correct. So it may be gone after that, but if you're – in business, goodwill or your reputation could be a massive part of your selling point. It could be your personal brand like yeah. it is for me. And other people are in that position too. So when someone publishes something like that, those two days, that, that's all, that necessary, all, all that's required. Someone could have screenshot it, send it on to other people. It doesn't even matter if that Google review is there anymore or not. So that is very important. But any publication online effectively now can be a publication that is defamatory, whereas at a time there was an argument about it. Facebook posts, Facebook comments, Google reviews, Bing reviews, and there's a number of things that don't come to the top of my head right now that could also be a part of Instagram, for example. If someone slows your business on Instagram and there's no reasonable basis for it, there's that. So these can all apply and they're way too easy to do Mm. because we have a lot of keyboard worries and a lot of people that do things in the heat of the moment and are very emotional (laughs) and it gets up. Mm.
0: Completely agree. Has there been any legal precedent set on this? I mean, one, you've got to obviously not be anonymous. You've got to know who they are to be actually able to do anything about it. But um, I did believe I had seen something in the last 12 months about um, some precedent set in court about it actually being defamation. Is that correct?
1: There's, there, there is quite a bit of def. Like, there is quite a few precedents on it. Now, I'm not up to date with everything because we mm. don't necessarily do it every day. But one of the better ones that I actually enjoyed reading was about a South Australian lawyer who was defamed. Mm. So someone actually put a Google review up. I won't use his name, but someone put a Google review up of this solicitor who had never actually saw, met, or approached his solicitor. So he actually ended up winning a defamation case against them. That's mm. actually a really good example because it shows you how easy it is to pop up a Google review and to basically damage someone's reputation and this person didn't even know the person. It wasn't in the course yeah, of the so business also dealing. So,
0: like your silliest target market to do a dodgy review on, right?
1: <laughs> on a solicitor. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the only thing you could think of is if solicitor had no expertise in that area, but then you'd think, oh, hey, they're going to have mates in that area who are going exactly. to exactly. in some right. way. <laughs> And connections uh, are everything in what we do, right? But yeah, right. <laughs> look, there are also other there are other precedents as well. There's stuff to do with food because food tends to be a big one, and that could be damaging. The problem we have the food's a little bit harder because let's just say, for example, you order something. How does the other person prove it wasn't cold? Or, but then again, that wouldn't actually have that reputational damage either because most people are going to read and go, all right, food was cold. Who gives a shit? Let it be. Mm. If it po- actually food poisoned you and, as I say, hurt you severely, you had to get surgery because of it, say, for example, because it caused you that much damage, that would then be different. You mm. put that review up, that's going to really damage someone's credibility. So I haven't seen that come, but that would be an interesting one. Cause
0: yeah, you're, you're th- right. It if... is an interesting one, right? Mm. And I think it comes down to as well, like the, the um, what exactly you're reviewing and out of your review levels then, how many mm. bad reviews you've got versus good reviews, because there's this thing online also about authenticity in reviews. If all your reviews are amazing, I call bullshit because you That's can't be all things to all people all the time. <laughs> but the line for defamation is obviously a slightly different line mm. than that. Mm.
1: See, that's a good point. And the interesting thing there is, though, in my personal experience, though, I've been to restaurants that other people rate highly, and I'll use Indian restaurants, for an example, because I'm probably a little bit more picky when it comes to that. I've had some food that is uh, less than average. Not that I put a review up, but I've had food that's less than average, but these restaurants have got five stars or 4.5 stars or 4.6 stars. These people might be judging based on something else. They may not care if the food's cold, for example. Providing a service is great. And the owner comes and meets them. And you know what? For some people, service is more important. Some people, presentation is more important. Mm. Some people, authenticity of the food is more important, how authentic it is. So different things. So there's that side of it as well. But you've got a point. Generally speaking, you'd see there's a 1,000 reviews at a five-star, one that's one star. That's probably going to be bullshit. Mm. But if it's three and a half stars and there's a bunch of five-star reviews, well, you'd think that's probably got some premise to it and a basis Mm. for those negative reviews. But if it's sitting somewhere at four, you don't know. If it's only ten reviews, mm. you definitely don't know. So it changes it quite a bit. It is relative. Mm.
0: And the thing I blame is as well, TripAdvisor for this. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I blame TripAdvisor for this, right? Because twenty years ago, they started encouraging us to review other people, people. without mm. any explanation of where the line is drawn on this sort of thing. So now it's societal normal to jump mm. online, like you said, be a keyboard warrior, and get out there and go. This business
2: is shit without actually thinking through what you're saying, which mm. could potentially put you in the line of defamation. And but the other thing is, as well, you. most people are more inclined to review if they either love something or hate something. Yeah,
1: very true. You're
2: very it's unlikely your to go on. If you just oh, I was mediocre, it was fine. I'll go in and put yeah. a review That's say so you sort of got these polar opposites in these reviews um, as well, which is very much would be influencing the results, too.
1: No, see, that's a very good point that I think needs to be taken into account. You have mm. both sides who are very emotional or very strong in their opinion who are going to do mm. it. Someone who's sitting at three and a half stars genuinely is not mm. going to give a crap or mm. three stars. You think, okay, look, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. I just won't go back there. Let it be. Let, mm. It's a bygone. Don't worry about it. I won't go there again. So that's very interesting. So can you ever actually get a purely unbiased, pop, like genuine mm. score? Probably not based Probably on what not. you just said.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's the hardest part though, right, is if if our perceptions and our own subconscious bias are impacting here, from a legal point of view, how does the law view that with regards to defamation? Is it about how do you prove the truth or what's true? Or- so,
1: yes and no. Part of it is if you look at the defense of defamation, this is what anyone should know if you're actually going to go down the defamation path. You've got defenses such as triviality, and this is where the food comes into it. If it's just cold food, well, a cold food review is probably not going to kill your whole reputation. People might say, Mm. well, one-off or two-off or whatever the case may be. You've got absolute privilege, so that's it could be privileged information. That's a little bit different. Certain things shouldn't be out there, but certain things can be. Now, if it's a judgment, for example, and it's public, you can't really claim defamation there. Mm honest opinion and truth they're the big ones honest opinion's big because what if someone has an honest opinion and a reason basically the standard is that a reasonable person could form that opinion out of it mm. so if you honestly i,
0: I love that, that phrase always reasonable
1: person firstly in law a reasonable uh, this is going to be a very biased view for me but in law
0: <laughs> so part so if you're a business owner then trying to work this out that's why you need someone like Samir on your team because it's just too hard for the average person to try and nut it down to where the where the line gets drawn Mm. but yes please tell me what a reasonable person is for you
1: so the reasonable person is a person that doesn't exist it's the middle (laughs) of the road and the way my university professors described them was it's neither a male nor a female it's gender neutral it's uh, it's not meant to be white, but they apparently are white because that's in most of society. And this is where those issues come in. So mm. let me take a step back. There is very, very few things or aspects of life that I can call purely objective. There's always mm. subjectivity in objective. Yeah. Now, I hope everyone understands those terms, but objective is external, subjective is what I, so what someone else thinks of me is more objective even though that's still less subjective, objective opinion, me, then you have my subjective views of me, right? But if someone does a report completely impartially on me, that's meant to be objective. Whereas what I say about myself is meant to be subjective. When a magistrate judge justice or anyone, in the jury applies the law, for example, or facts or tests of facts, they can never, in my opinion at least, be truly objective because they have their life background mm-hmm. and that forms their objective opinion now. Correct. It's not yes. possible. So this is why I will always say, till the day I die, there is no such thing as true objectivity. It's not possible. And yeah. if until even if we get AI... Unless AI designs AI millions of years in the future or thousands of years, (laughs) you still have programmers that are programming behind the scenes and that's still going to have some level of bias to it, such as Instagram. Instagram is biased. We've all basically been hit by that in the past couple of years. Some of us a lot more than others. But if that's not biased in programming, what is it or what is? So that's first issue. So going back to the reasonable person, it's a made up person and that's meant to cover the whole of society as best as it can. So someone standing on the side, is using the example of what we use with you Trudy, someone saying that your business service, let's use a general comment, your business service is pathetic and your customer services are really bad when they came and saw you. That person then makes that comment on social media then that would be tested against a reasonable person. If the reasonable person came to you and you were not as friendly as they expected, does that make everything bad, the whole service bad or so so on and so forth? Did you give them enough information? That's how they would then believe, is that opinion firstly honest? But would a reasonable person be able to hold it? Now, if you said – hello to them in a way they didn't like, but everything else was fine, for example, and they put out this whole terrible review of how bad you were, (laughs) would a reasonable person do that? No, because just because you didn't like the way you said hello doesn't mean you're not a good business person or you've done the right thing. And, look, people are very easily offended these days, so that's not something that's out of the ordinary (laughs) either. Because as soon as you get them into the door the way anyone could speak, Or the way the service could be completely changes everything. And, again, Mm -hmm. that's biased because they might have a different expectation. So the reasonable person is very, very hard but simple in a sense. It's meant to be a simple concept. But, honestly, the best way to think of it is what would the person on the side of the road think if they saw it or they heard it or they are in the same position. Now, again, Mm -hmm. that's very difficult because if you're the business owner, for example, you're probably not going to see it that way, especially if you're seeing red when you see it. Of course this. not,
2: because you have <laughs> got the biases of anything negative about Of your toddler.
1: Is not
0: and great. your emotions are coming in now mm. to impact it. So it's such an interesting topic that I'm sure we could go on for hours about all the different nuances of it. And obviously ethics and uh, like ethical background, cultural background, life experiences, 100%. all mm. of those things impact that. So I suppose how can a business deal with defamation though? So there's probably two scenarios here to look at. Um, the business being defamed, or that business or employees defaming others?
1: Okay, so looking at the first one, there are some limitations for businesses in terms of the number of employees they may have, especially if you're a corporation. If you're a corporation, if you have more than 10 employees, you're technically not allowed to sue for defamation. So in 2004, so a few years ago, I can't remember when it was, mm-hmm. but there was. An introduction into legislation which said corporations are generally not allowed to sue for defamation unless they're an excluded person, an excluded entity. Yeah, and that's less than ten employees. That's very generalised. That doesn't change the fact that if an individual in that corporation was defamed, mm. they can sue off their own bat.
2: So, particularly, owner- if it, particularly if it's the owner or the principal of the business, I guess. Correct. Yeah, correct.
1: And if you can link it, and this is why I always try to link back to the person because that gives you a much, much stronger case mm, if that yeah. person could be linked. So if the owner is still impacted as a direct nexus, there can still be an argument for that owner. It makes it adds another step, don't get me wrong, but once you get past that step, it's much easier to progress than being a corporation. And not just that, if you can do more damage to the person than you can do to a corporation, it's very hard to damage calls, for example, but yeah. to damage the CEO. Reputation involved, especially with a defamatory comment, will be easier. Look Mm -hmm. at Alan from Qantas. He copped a bit of heat for dropping people and left, right, center and putting them on contracts instead of hiring them directly, for example. Now, obviously.
0: He's not an emotionally charged topic these days at all, is he? (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) So, putting putting that there, people could still take it out on Qantas, for example. But as soon as they use the word Alan Joyce to use his name, or Alan will Mm -hmm. say, Alan's part of Qantas. Generally, there'd be vicarious liability, but here it'd be Alan Joyce that could be upset. Mm. Obviously, the comments aren't defamatory to an extent because they're true and he did it. So unless he can show he Mm. didn't, you got a bit of a problem. But in terms of the person suing, so that changes it a little bit because then you do have vicarious liability for the company to some extent as well, but the person could be sued too. And this is like any other civil case. So who do you want to go after? Who's Mm. got more money? But then... It comes down to, was a person acting within their role? Are they covered? There's things like that. So, need to so be if the
0: CEO of Rex, who I don't know their name, mm. <laughs> but if the CEO of Rex came out and said something about the CEO of Qantas being Alan Joyce, only, and it was defamatory by definition, only Alan Joyce could sue the CEO personally, Qantas couldn't sue Rex.
1: Well, no, because Qantas has got way over 10 employees. Yeah. But right. at the same time, if Alan joined could link it to himself, yeah, he, mm. could, he could. Only start. if he could
0: link it to himself and potential damage to reputation as a result of what was said. Correct. But was Correct. deemed by a reasonable person mm. to be untrue.
1: <laughs> Correct. And it passes all the other tests. Yeah, so... But then I guess the thing there is, look at it the other way, a corporation is a big entity, right, by definition, and you have legal privileges and you have other privileges that come with it. So with the shield comes some extra loopholes to get over or hurdles, I should say, hurdles to get over, if that was the case. So how is it going to impact Qantas as a whole? Probably not really something to do much damage. And People are speaking crap about Qantas all the time right now, about the delays and whatnot. Number one, they're true, but let's just say even if it wasn't true, they could easily put a statement saying it's not true. Here's our proof. It's mm-hmm. not really true. But if they are yeah. someone to say, "Well, this is Alan Joyce's fault because of his sexual inclinations or orientation," very, very, very Let's be yeah.
2: careful what we say here today. <laughs> <laughs> this is all hypothetical, everyone. Yes. Well,
0: correct. <laughs> yeah, correct.
2: Um,
0: all right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what should a business do then if one of, if it thinks one of its employees? has defamed somebody else whilst it's, whilst they're in its, their own premises or in the capacity of their job.
1: I think risk, you'd be mitigating your risk straight away. And one of the biggest things is it depends how it's done. Cause if it's a publication, do you remove the publication? Do you apologize before it even gets anywhere and hopefully deal with it? It's all about dealing, preventing it going to court in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's not, again, it's no different to, it is a civil case because person gets person, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to look at it and try and stop it going forward, see what the issue is, deal with it before mm-hmm. it gets to court. If it gets to court, you're basically already got to a point where it's probably going to be yeah. too late. Look, when there is a defamatory publication, they need, there's a, basically a stat, statute of limitations applies as a year in which you have to bring that. Okay. So let's just say, so that's, in, that's very important. Yeah, once mm-hmm. you're over that threshold, it's uh, it gets, there's a few other rules that apply. There are certain circumstances where you can extend, but it's very unlikely. Yeah. So try and stick within it the year. But let's just say they do it immediately, they meet all that criteria. <laughs> And if that comment's been made and they can show damage, it's probably going to be easier for them against the business. But at the same time, the business, obviously, not obviously, generally speaking, would have a lot more money, Mm -hmm. which is potentially there, I guess you could say, where they have the power. And this is why you don't see Channel 9, Channel 7 sued a lot, because unless they actually defame someone who has money, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult. Exactly.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because you have a massive power imbalance. But... Honestly, it's dealing with it quickly, swiftly and doing something Mm. about it. Holding on to it and not doing something about it is going to cause you more risk. Look, there's always the side that the person may not do anything. But if Mm. they do, then you've let it go till then. You're only increasing the damage you've caused and they're more likely to get more out of you. Because at the start, they may only be looking for an apology and a lot of people are.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure an apology goes a long way in these circumstances or a public retraction. Of, of whatever the statement totally.
1: was. Totally, totally. Anyway, that person an that writes one. to you, that's what they'd be asking for anyway, generally an apology mm. in this, and then they may tag along money. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it is an interesting one. So then I suppose it's difficult, is it, if the employee is liable personally, the business is only doing this out of goodwill to help resolve the issue, the business itself isn't liable for the
2: defamatory comments, usually.
1: So can it cut
2: it out on mine. It probably depends on their capacity that they're acting in, Sarah. If the employee's putting out that they're acting on behalf of the business, then the business could be liable. This, I was trying to work
0: out who's liable in this particular scenario. If one of Trudy's employees goes out and says something defamatory about my business, for example, who is liable? Is Trudy liable or the employee liable? Because this is obviously where often the laws get blurred because she's engaged Mm. in the nature of her work at the time and employed and being paid by the business owner Mm. but it's not the business owner saying this nor directing it i mean that's Mm. a completely different topic Mm. you know rabbit hole to go down um but yeah where does it sit in terms of liability
1: so this is where i think it's a bit more blurred in Mm. terms of that but generally, vicarious liability would apply to some extent because you are the owner of the business. But if this person is active completely outside of their business role and has nothing to do with it, you'd separate yourself and go, well, "Hold on, we don't have anything to do with this." If this mm. person's done it in their personal life, regardless of using your work email, you say, "Well, hold on, that's not about us. We haven't done anything. We never allowed them to use it. They've gone against our policy too because I only meant to mm. use their email for work." Or so, well, what if you use their Facebook, you know, the Facebook page for your business to publish, stuff like that.
2: But there's still reputational risk in it though, Sarah. So even if, totally. even right. if you could legally separate you, you've still got a reputational issue that as a business you would need to Correct. deal with whether, as you say, Smee, you, somehow you like, separate yourself from it and put it out there that this person was acting completely independently and doesn't represent the views of, of the business or what. There's probably still some actions you need to take to protect your business.
0: And look, I think we're back at as well is ensuring that you have the right policies and processes in place for your business mm. and in your employment mm. contracts that they cover off. We talked about this last season about making mm. sure that you have the right things in writing to protect you as a business owner. And again, it's another topic that comes up all the time. So maybe we should have you back later in the season <laughs> to talk about this, Samir, about employment law and contracts, because it, again, is another um, Thing that gets raised all the time about, oh, my employee's gone and done this, but I don't have a contract with him, and it's like, you what? <laughs> don't have a contract? So a
1: lot of contracts, yeah. Good point. It's still done very much verbally, especially with the handshake style.
0: Mm. Yeah, and you see it all the time in the construction industry. I've seen it construction industry. I've seen it in some professional services as well, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, especially these days, because of how public everything is, and we are almost open books in a lot of instances because of our social media presences and our websites and everything else in a way that once upon a time it was a little bit different. You were more localised to the area in which you you provided services for. Now lots of us provide national services. Um, so yeah, it's very, very interesting. Look, we're almost out of time for today, so have you got any top tips for people to either avoid being defamed or avoid defaming by... Um, stupidity shall we say like not realizing (laughs) that what they're saying or doing is actually defamation.
1: Well, the best thing to do if you're going to be the person who's potentially liable to defamation because you're doing the defaming is think about what you're going to put up before you put it up. Give yourself a bit of a break. It's just like a relationship, right? Sometimes mm. you want to say something at the moment, but taking a step back could stop yeah. the whole thing and could actually... A bit reduce- of emotional
0: intelligence there. Go back mm. to season two finale episode and listen to that one, people. <laughs> For that reason.
2: It's, completely. Um, that, that's where you get somebody else to read the email for you or the social mm-hmm. media post before you post it as well. So at least you've got someone that doesn't have that emotional and investment um, yeah. in it can cool you down a little bit.
1: Yeah, completely. And look, some people will never do that because i will yeah. fire it off and there are a lot of people who will just fire it off quickly, think about it later, mm-hmm. and then come back and go, shouldn't have done that. That's just in every aspect of life. But here, yeah. that's probably very important. And if you have done it, as soon as you realize, take it down. That's probably the other way to deal with it because it may not have done any damage at this point. It's possible you can save yourself from all that drama. Don't just leave it up there because, like, shit, I've put it up there. Let it be now.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in today or joining us online today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you, as always, a wealth of knowledge. You can follow Samir um, on Instagram. Do you have Facebook as well or is it just Instagram?
1: No, this is just Instagram, Facebook, no. I need to I've kind of lost touch with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a thing, right? But, but mm. the channel that you're most active on is Instagram people, so they can follow you at what's your handle?
1: So my personal one, or I guess it's now both mixed, is samira.banga, S-A-M-I-R. S A M I R dot B A N G A. And then there's Bunga Legal, which is B A N G A legal.
0: Lovely. Um and that's Trudy, you got any other last comments?
2: No been right. very insightful.
0: Next week, we are talking about how to build your business from a business owner's perspective. Obviously, we've had many uh, episodes in the past with marketing and um, creatives coming in and assisting us, but we've got a few tips that Trudy and I have actually used that have built our businesses. So, tune in for that. Otherwise, thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks, everyone. See you later. Thanks,
1: guys. Catch ya. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Financial Fofu. We really appreciate you tuning in and hope that you have subscribed to our channel. I just wanted to let you all know that the information and material in our podcast and any supplementary and associated information available is for general purposes only. It should not be taken as constituting professional advice from us, the podcast owners, and our special guests, and we recommend that you seek independent, suitable advice that is specific for your unique circumstances. Thanks for tuning in hope to see you next week please 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 send us um, use our link and send us any requests or any feedback we'd really appreciate it cheers